This is his word for us. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the, ends, to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Can we say good morning to the person left and right? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. For those in the baby care room, good morning. For those online, good morning. So good to see everybody. Let me start with prayer. Heavenly Father, these words have shaped the rest of history, have shaped Christendom. Lord, these words are powerful because of who it comes from. It comes from our Lord. And so, Lord, as we hear these words, it might have been the 50th time, Lord, the first time the Lord may fall afresh on the hearts of those of your people. And so, Lord, we pray, may the Spirit of God be upon us, and Lord, may we receive the word. May there be one thing that the Spirit does that awakens us to be more like you and to work for your kingdom. So we thank you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as we gather every week, we sing songs, we meet, we listen to God's word. I don't know about you, but there are sometimes, as this goes on and on, week after week, I ask myself, what's the point of all of this? What are we doing? And it's in these words in Matthew 28 that reminds us that we have a mission. And the reason why we have a mission is because God has a mission. One pastor said it this way. God does not have a mission for the church. No, God has a church for his mission. We are his And being a part of his people means that we also have a mission to fulfill that which God desires, that he wants, his plan. How how are we grounded back in mission? How can we not lose focus? How can we stay in mission? And that is our time together today as we look at the Great Commission and three words I have for us, authority, calling, and purpose. So first, authority. As we see in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Before we hear the content of the Great Commission, we must first understand and take a step back and realize who is delivering these words. Because for the first time ever, God has come on earth to speak. This has been the person historically who has sent others to speak on his behalf, prophets, kings. But for the first time ever, he has come to share these words. And this is no small detail. Jesus chose to say this himself and to face to face. He chose to deliver it himself, even though he had other means. This is how important this is to God. 
And this wouldn't be a message just for his earthly disciples at this moment, the 12 and the 500 gathered here. But Jesus knew in his, in his knowledge, divine knowledge, that these words would ring for every generation to hear personally from God himself. And here is the truth, everybody. We are the latest generation to receive this news. It's an honor that God is speaking to us today to give us what he desires for us to continue his plan and his work as he has left us, but has given us so much more. And before we get to the commission, Jesus makes a claim. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This claim is important. It's a claim of authority. Because without this claim, without verse 18, verse 19 and 20, quite frankly, has no power. It's just an idea then. It's just a suggestion. But Jesus first starts with the claim that all authority is in him. Because there is divine weight to what he's about to say. He is not speaking as a man. He's not speaking as someone with a great idea. He is speaking as the Lord God. These are not just the last words of Jesus Christ. These are the first words of the resurrected one. You know, much of Jesus' ministry, he has shown his authority over nature, over disease, over demons. But there's one authority that stands above all. He has defeated death. He has defeated and risen from the grave. He is God himself. It is not just an authority where he says, look at me, I'm the boss now. It is authority that he has proven. He had gone to hell itself, separated from the Father. And now he has risen because he is the righteous one. He is the son of God. And he's delivering these words as the risen one. What does this mean for us, church? Who is Jesus to us? Because who Jesus is to us, before we get to verse 19 and 20, who is speaking to us in verse 18? Is it Jesus, the healer? Jesus, the provider? Jesus, the teacher? Jesus, the moral example? Because then verse 19 and 20 loses its power. But if it's Jesus, the Lord and Savior, Son of God, then verse 19 and 20 has a different impact. Because without Jesus being Lord and Savior, then verses 19 and 20, it's just, it could just be a crazy person saying crazy things. But this is God himself speaking. And we could be reminded when God spoke things into creation in the very beginning, those words that he speaks, they're intentional, they're purposeful. And he's about to speak into creation something that's about to happen. The church. The church. Because he is God. The man who has died and now risen is speaking here. Matthew 28, everybody, for myself included. This is not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. Because this is God's word to us. Personally to you and me right now. For us to receive And this is what church is all about. The main objective of our church, the main objective or for God's church 
is not to make people happy. It's not to solve people's problems. It's also not to make people moral. Although those things will result if we focus on the primary thing. What is the church all about? The primary focus of the church is to have sinners have a right relationship with God. That is it. That is our purpose. And the only way for sinners to have a right relationship with God, there is only one way, Jesus Christ, the gospel. The gospel ministry is our primary, main focus, and we cannot lose sight of this as a church. The most threatening thing that could ever happen to any church is not what happens outside of these walls. It's when there's a certain message that lacks from within the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we lose focus on the, on the truth that Jesus is the only way to the Father, then we lose sight as a church. But this is our main calling and how much we need the gospel ministry, myself included, that I need to be reminded that when I do anything moral, that if I do anything good, God does not love me more Because his love for me is not based on me. It's based on Christ. That when I sin and I break God's heart, that God does not love me less either. Because I'm covered and forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ. This is grace. It's the most profound thing. For me, it doesn't make sense at times. God, why? Why? Why can't you make it based on my merit? Why? Because I live in such a way that's so backwards to your word. And yet, you give me your son over and over and over again. Why, God? It leads me to humility, to joy. God, this is, un- this is an undeserving gift. You're so good. You're so great. This gospel ministry, this is what we are to be about. Who is Jesus to us? Who is Jesus to us? This is where we have to first start. Matthew 28, the disciples got to see from all the way from the beginning of Matthew who Jesus was. And finally, it clicked to them. Finally, after his resurrection, it was revealed to them. He is the son of God. Who is Jesus to us? Much of life is a battle of authority. That is life as a Christian. Who do we attribute authority to? Because as broken people, as sinners, it's not that Jesus loses his authority at any point. It's just that we as sinners reject, ignore, or displace his authority into other things. We foolishly go to other things thinking, you have authority. I'm going to give it to you. Because I know you will fulfill my life. You will give me purpose, meaning, identity, and hope. You know, there's a very unique story in the Old Testament. There's a story of a man named Achan. I don't know if you know this man. It's during the time of Joshua and the very, very, very famous story about Joshua and the Jericho walls. And God instructs him very, very clearly after telling them to go around the walls for seven days. God instructs them very clearly, do not take anything, anything, but burn it. And he also shares consequences for those who take anything, they will also face destruction. 
And this wasn't just presented to Joshua. This was presented to everybody, to Israel. But Achan takes it for himself. He takes that which God told him not to do, that he prohibited. And you wrestle with the text and you're like, why did he do that? Was it because he wasn't there? No, but when you read the text, he was there. Because he repeats it himself. He understands that God instructed this to him. He also repeats to, him, repeats to them what happens to those who take things. What is this then? Is it a, so it's not a knowledge issue. Why did Achan take this? You see, it's an authority issue. Because for Achan, God did not have authority over him. He was listening to somebody, something else. I don't know what it was. Pride, greed, insecurity, love for money. But one thing is very clear. He was enslaved to something else. That even though God's word was very clear to him, he rejected it. He ignored it. This is our battle together as sinners. This is the reality of all of us. Who we choose to listen to. Who we say yes to. We're not free people. None of us. We're always bound to something, listening to someone. What kind of season are you right now in your life? Does God have authority over you? Because when you know the gospel, the authority of God is good. He's a good God. He will never fail us. But the things that we attribute authority to, they will always fail us. They make promises. They do sweet promises. But they will never deliver. But Jesus Christ and all his promises are a yes and amen. Turn to him. Because he is gracious. That even when we choose to listen to other things, our God is gracious. That he doesn't love us less. Profound but that is his grace, his unending love, that he he can't love you more, nor can he love us less. His love is perfect and complete because of Jesus' work on the cross. Come to him. Remember your baptism. As we take the communion, not today, but when we take communion, remember those promises. Jesus loves me. Yes, he does. Because the Bible tells me so. The second word I have for us, Calling. How do we stay in mission? We first need to understand who is in authority. When verse 18 has power over us, when we listen to Jesus Christ, we will stay in mission. And now we get to the content of what the Great Commission is going to be talking about. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. How do we stay in mission when we understand that this is our calling what is the main focus of the text? What, is, what are we to focus on as a missional church? It is to make disciples. That's the actual uh, command when we talk about the literary uh, uh, functions of the, of the passage. It's to make disciples. It's actually not go, as some of us may uh, have thought, or, make, or, or baptize, or teach. But actually, the very command that Jesus shares to us is to make disciples. This is the main focus of the text. The other words like go and baptize and teach, they're very important, not to undermine these words. But these are the means of contributing to the greater goal that God has in mind of making disciples. And so here's another way of how to uh, say this passage. I have all authority. Therefore, make disciples 
wherever you go, wherever you find yourself, because I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you to places. And so wherever you find yourself, whether you find yourself in Northern Virginia, whether you find yourself halfway across the world, make disciples, baptizing them into my name, teaching them the ways of Christ. This is Jesus' grand plan for the church. Disciples who make disciples, it's multiplication. This is his way. And the reason why I submit to this is not because I think it's the best plan, it's the most strategic. The reason why I submit to this is because God is my Lord. He's my God. And this is what he sees. This is what he desires. Who am I to say I know better than he? But that's what God says. To make disciples. And you know, this word discipleship is something that we can use quite often. What is discipleship? What is it? Uh, and I, I don't, I, I give full credit. It's from another church that I've heard this from. And I, love, I loved it. And I, from that point on, I, I, I made it my own in terms of my own calling. What is discipleship? And I love what this church has in a very short way defined it as for themselves. It's calling plus character that equals transformation. See, it's calling when you help others know their calling, that they are sons and daughters of God, not based on their work, but based on the perfect work of Jesus Christ. That is by faith alone, that no longer are you slaves to this world, but now you are children of God, not workers, but children of God, worshipers, when you get to help them understand their identity, their calling, that is to make disciples and then follow it with character. Now we are to live according to our calling because it, it takes, it's a battle because there's another former life, nature that battles against us. And so we must now live and own this calling in our life daily. That leads to transformation. That leads to discipleship because it leads to Myself becoming more like Christ. Very simple formula. that It just really, it clicked with me. Calling plus character equals transformation. You know, there's a great example of this. In 2008 was the Beijing Summer Olympics. And does anybody know what the basketball team name was during that time? What they named it? They were called the Redeem Team. And the reason why they were called the Redeem Team was because back in 2004, they were called the Dream Team. And it certainly wasn't dream. It was a nightmare. Because they lost. Uh, they didn't lose. They got third place, which is great. But they were stacked with great players. And it was an American sport, but they brought home bronze. It was an embarrassment to the country. And so back in 2008, they called it the Redeem Team. We're going to bring home the gold. And as they were forming the team, coach, the coach, Coach K, uh, realized that his team lacked leadership. There were a lot of young guys, a lot of rookie players, great players, though like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And so he calls Kobe Bryant to come. So Kobe Bryant joins. And there's this one story, it's fascinating, where LeBron, Dwayne, and the other players, one night they go out and they go clubbing after one of their practices. And they come back late, like 5.30 in the morning, to their hotels. And as they're walking to their rooms to catch some sleep because they have practice the next day, they see Kobe Bryant also in the hotel, walking in the hallways. But he's not going to his room to sleep. What Kobe was doing was he was going to the gym to train. You see, for Kobe Bryant, basketball wasn't just a sport. It was his passion. It was his calling. It was his life. He breathed basketball. 
And when the other players saw that, it spurred on something and it changed the entire culture of that team. No more clubbing. But every morning, 5.30, the other players would wake up and train right alongside with him. They were undefeated that year and they brought home the gold. Who is our example? It's Jesus Christ. He is the greatest example for us. He is our motivation. But he's more than just our motivation. When you look at the Great Commission, that's how he got us. That's how he got me. Jesus Christ didn't demand me to come up to him. No, Jesus Christ came down into my life. He sent people. He sent his ambassadors, his sons and daughters in my life. In the moment of life where I was lost, I had no idea who I was. He sent those people into my life, preaching the gospel, sharing the love of Christ, exposing gospel love and truth, getting baptized. I became his disciple. That's how he got me. And I'm sure that's how he got all of us if we were to ever share our testimonies. This is how he got us. He is the greatest example. Because he is the great commission, you see. This is his life. It's not just a program that he's thinking of. It's not something that he himself wouldn't do. No, Jesus Christ did it himself. And he did it to the cross all the way through. And he's, he's, he's wanting us to do the same. If you've received this love, if you've received this grace, can you do the same? Could you join with me? Join. Because we have a world full of lost people that my heart breaks for. And I don't just need you, I want you to be a part of this, to know your calling, because this is what you were created to be, to extend my kingdom. I'm from New York, and New York is uh, the greatest city in the world. It's what I was taught. If you know New York, New York has some of the most uh, beautiful bridges. There's a lot of bridges. A lot of traffic on those bridges too. But um, when I was uh, growing up, and my elementary school teachers, they would tell us, my father built that bridge. My grandfather built those bridges. They, they would be so proud. So proud. You could just tell. And even though they didn't build it themselves, they were in a proximity of greatness that they had to mention it to us. My father built that bridge. You know, as beautiful as those bridges are though, those bridges one day will crumble and fall and they'll be forgotten. But there's one bridge that will stand forever. It's the bridge that connects God and sinners, Jesus Christ. And we can be a part of building that bridge. You see, God is inviting us to be a part of his divine plan of salvation. This is the most mysterious thing that I can be a part, that I don't need to be in proximity, that I know somebody that knows somebody that was part of that bridge. No, but God is calling each and every one of us today, help this ministry. Help and be a part. Join in because I have a plan and I want you to be a part of this. 
This past week, I met a student. I knew him from middle school and on. And he met Jesus Christ. You know, in all those years of serving youth ministry, I thought, wow, like, it was tough. It was hard. But man, that's worth it. That he got to meet Jesus Christ and now his eternity is secured. You know, when you meet someone who's saved, something's different with their eyes and their face. Something just changes. And seeing that, praise to God. We can do that. Building bridges, helping people see that bridge, Jesus Christ, so that they would come to know him and they would have a right relationship with him. Finally, the third word, promise. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a promise. What a promise. This promise that Jesus is with me to the end of the age, the great authority of making disciples of all nations, is sandwiched between authority and the power of his presence. Because presence truly is power. It really is. My son is afraid of the dark. And so he holds mom's hand. Mom's hand gives him power. And it's not like the darkness disappears. The darkness is still there. It's still dark. But he's able to walk through darkness because mom is with him. Dad just trails right behind. But mom is with him. When he feels her hand, he can face that which he fears. This is a scary thing that God is leaving us with. Jesus also left like, oh, okay. But he gave us the Holy Spirit. His presence is power. It's power. He's going to be with us through everything. The greatest power that you and I can have and the greatest confidence that we can have is that he'll be faithful and he'll be with us to the very end. Um, I'm sure, I don't know if you've heard, but now we'll be transitioning back to our high school ministry. And there are some rumors that I've heard that this was something of a, not my decision, it was involuntary. But I want to make it clear, this is 100% my decision. Because I saw a need. And it's really, it's just the way that things unfolded was, I preached this sermon over at our DC campus. I was an interim for, quite, uh, for a little bit, for a few weeks. During the transition, I preached this Great Commission. I actually never preached the Great Commission before because I always made somebody else do it. But I always, this is my first time preaching the Great Commission. And I was convicted as I was just, just, just wrestling with the text and receiving the word. And right after our DC campus, we had a meeting with our senior church's leadership and then another, the youth leadership. And up until this point, my name was never floated around. We had certain options and plans, especially because we couldn't find anybody. But my name came out. And I could have said no. But I saw the need. And so I said, yes, I'll do it. And when I said yes, I'm going to be honest, there was a soundtrack in my ear. It was like an inspirational music in my ear, like, yes, senior pastor, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And then Thursday came, that week, my second son was born. Where'd the music go? <laughs> music disappeared. It was gone. 
I didn't know how hard this was going to be. Um, man, it, I just talked to a parent with three, and they smiled like, two? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> You'll see. Really, thank you to our women's ministry, too. Your food, the food that you've given to me for a month and a half. Truly, we haven't worried about food during that time. Really, thank you for the love and generosity that you've given to us. During that time, it was my sabbatical, too. It lined up. I had my worries as I was facing the everyday of trying to help with a second son. I would hold him for hours and he wouldn't sleep. Last night was like that too. I have my fears going into our high school ministry again. I have my doubts. I have my confusions. I do. The moment I came back from my sabbatical, a few people came up to me and asked me, what's your plan for JG ministry? And I told them, I have no idea but I know that God is with me. His presence is power. And I know that's all that I need. Right now, we don't have enough leaders either, but it's okay because his presence is power. And I know that with a very few, with very little, God can do much. Five loads, two breads, he feeds 5,000 people. With, With 12 disciples, the church today, Because as we see Matthew 28 and on, it is not the testimony of how great humans have done. It is a great, it's a testimony of how great and faithful God is. His presence is power. His power. The church grew because, not because of a few great people, not because of a few great preachers, not because of a few great leaders. The church grew because we have a great God. And so I believe in that very same power as I walked back into our high school ministry. I have my fears, but I know God's hand is with me. I have things I need to face, but I face it together with the Lord. And I know that he's not done with me. There's going to be things that he does to continue to reveal to me more of Christ in my life. I do not think for one shred of a doubt or one shred of an ounce that I am the solution to our ministry. Never. Never, never, never. But I know that Jesus Christ is, and that's my role. I have this unique time and this unique position where as a pastor, I can share Jesus Christ, disciple them. And I want to have others join in in discipling our young next generation so that they would know Jesus Christ, that God would call upon them, and then they would then hear Matthew 28, and then the generation after that, and after that, and after that, until he comes again. That is my hope, and that is my desire. That is the faith that I desire to have as I walk into it. Our Promised Land ministry, there was one time where they did a a skit about Jesus dying. And I think they did it so well because the kids all started crying. (laughs) It was, I think, havoc. And the kids all started crying and it was bad. But one child stood up and said, it's okay. He never left us. That faith. That's what I want to have. His presence is power. I want to listen to him. He has authority over my life. I believe this is my calling, as he made very clear. And he's with me. He's with all of us. I hope and pray that whatever you serve, whatever you're a part of, join in. Join in the mission of God. Help. Because we can see God's kingdom extend here in this area to the rest of the world.